Welcome to Media Business. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. There's been a lot of news and information circulating about COVID and did lockdowns make a difference? Did they make a difference on the planet? Did they make a difference here in America? Did they make a difference in Michigan? Well, Michael Van Beek, who is the director of research at the Mackinac Center, wrote a fascinating story about this. And I wanted to talk with him a little bit about it. And it's titled, Did Lockdowns Make a Difference in Michigan? After Action Report answers few questions asked by the public, including were the responses different with each wave of the pandemic? Michael, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Well, this is a great story. I guess before we talk about this, what's your perspective on how we in the media covered COVID and how we covered the lockdowns and if they did make a difference? Well, I think one of the criticisms I would have generally about how lockdowns were covered in the media is that there was very little criticism allowed of this type of policy. And I think there should have been a considerable amount of criticism in the media about these kind of lockdown policies, not necessarily because you know they didn't have a chance to work, but because they were unprecedented. We never before had we tried these kinds of policies and came out of nowhere. They were not in any of the plans that the state or any type of government had in the U.S. anyway, had put together before the pandemic hit. And so, you know, the media's job, in my mind, at least in one sense, is to be critical of the kinds of decisions that policymakers are making, and especially when they're unprecedented policies like lockdowns. So how did we in the media drop the ball? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's maybe a better question I should pose to you. But, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure, you know, but it, it was frustrating, you know, that we didn't have that dialogue about whether or not these were good policies or bad policies or whether they would cause more harm than good. It very much seemed to be a one-way street. And I don't think that's good for developing effective policy in the long term. We need to have that policy debate so we can you know, figure out what the best route is. Did lockdowns make a difference in Michigan? You know, hard to say from here, it hasn't been closely studied by anyone in the you know, state government hasn't looked at this closely. To my knowledge, no you know, major research university has looked at this closely. You know, I think the fact that COVID-19 is still here and the virus is still spreading, we've always known that coronaviruses mutate and create variants. So, you know, the idea that we were sort of going to box this thing in, you know, never going to work because it's always going to escape that. And of course, the whole concept of a lockdown is really a myth in one sense, because we don't really fully lock down. Right. And we didn't here in Michigan either. You know, the hospitals were still staffed. The essential workers were still there. People still had to make food and do all those, you know, staff the grocery stores, deliver the pizzas, do all that sort of stuff. And so, at best, what we had is a type of partial lockdown. So in a way, that's never really going to work. It never had a chance to work to really significantly stop the spread of this virus. And, you know, that's what we were promised, though. You know, Governor Whitmer said that repeatedly, that we were going to eradicate this virus. We were going to beat the damn virus, is what she said several times. So I think from that perspective, it was a failure. I thought it was interesting that we had a lockdown to the extent that you really couldn't go anywhere outside your house. But then when it was raised a little bit, when I went to the grocery store, there was a shield there, yet the 
cashier was touching every item that I was going to touch. When I go to the bank, there's a shield there, but every item that I have to sign or that is pushed across to me to sign has been touched. I saw that everywhere. So I found that a bit confusing. And I wondered, did the state of Michigan, who paid $1.5 million to a consultant to produce this after action report of its pandemic response, did we find out anything from that report? You know, that's the main subject of my article there. And unfortunately, the answer is no. You know, the state spent a lot of money, hired a consultant to do a review of its performance during the pandemic. And I should say too, this report is not really focusing on specific policies that were made, you know, the types of lockdown policies that were instituted, but more about how the state as an organization responded, you know, did the departments work well together and things like that. Unfortunately, this report basically just says that the state did really well. And I think that would come as a surprise to a lot of people in the public who endured these lockdowns, who endured you know, the weekly news releases and press conferences from the governor that changed, you know, who you could invite into your own home and changed all the rules about whether you could golf or not, or with a golf cart, or if you were allowed to fish with a motorboat or not, and all these other sorts of things. They didn't go into any of those kinds of details. They simply surveyed state employees and asked them whether or not they had a positive experience from the pandemic and from the reaction to the pandemic by the state. And the report is not really helpful for that reason. Michael, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that report. We're talking with Michael Van Beek, who's the director of research at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Senair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Senair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.senair.com. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. If you want to know what's going on in the state of Michigan, one item you can use is Capcon. It's titled Michigan's Watchdog. It's a place where you can find stories about questions that we have of what's going on with government here in the state of Michigan. It was a commentary written by Michael Van Beek titled, Did Lockdowns Make a Difference in the State of Michigan? And the one thing that I thought interesting, Michael, maybe, I don't know if you call me a true journalist or a conspiracy theorist, but I always wonder when you don't get all the information you need before you can really make a decision on what's right and what's wrong. Only 15 out of the 26 state agencies responded to the survey used to inform the report. 10 of those 15 departments completed three or fewer surveys. So I don't understand how you can really come up with really good information if you don't have all the data needed. Yeah, I think that's a big fault of this effort by the state to review its pandemic response. And that is many of the state departments did not respond or responded only in a minimum way. 
And the other thing that I point out from the report is that the departments that did respond, it was overwhelmingly from just a couple of departments. So it was the Department of Health and Human Services and the Michigan State Police who overwhelmingly dominated the responses. And so what we have here is really the opinion of bureaucrats in those two departments and not really a full picture of what happened within side state government. So that's a significant downside and limitation to this report. Do we know why we didn't get information from those entities? No, the report doesn't really say. I mean, they sent out surveys to the state departments, but just reported that they you know, only got a certain number of responses from them. So who knows why certain departments didn't respond or why only a few of their employees responded. All right. You mentioned that the report has strengths and areas for improvement for several state functions, such as logistics, communications, and financial management. There were 62 identified strengths and only 39 areas of improvement. Tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah, like I said, I think it would come as a surprise to a lot of people in Michigan who endured these lockdowns and endured the state's pandemic response. And, you know, it left a lot of us scratching our heads about, you know, what was the rationale behind a lot of these different policies and where was the state getting, you know, the data and the justification for these particular types of actions and prohibitions on different things that we could do. And, you know, this report comes across as just making it sound like the state did a really great job, which, you know, frightens me to a certain extent, because if this pandemic response was a really well done pandemic response, I would hate to see a bad one. And I think, you know, it's a really failed opportunity to learn from the mistakes that were made. You know, the first thing you have to do is recognize those mistakes, and then we have to learn from them. And, you know, the next pandemic that comes around, you know, what is the state going to do? If this is the type of critical review that they're going to do, I'm afraid we're going to get the same kind of frustrating response from the state that we got in 2020. There's one sentence in the story that really caught my eye, Michael. The challenges the state faced when trying to stop COVID-19 were largely your fault. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, some of the difficulties that these state departments reported dealing with during the pandemic were centered around the public's disagreement with some of these orders and some of the prohibitions that the state had implemented. So, you know, ensuring compliance was a problem. You know, there was a lot of public backlash and that was one of the problems. Well, I mean, you could view that as a problem or you could view that as really important and valuable information that the state should be using when they're making these kinds of decisions. The fact that there's a large public backlash might be an indication that these are not wise policy decisions. But the other element too of this report is, you know, it gives this impression that the state kind of, you know, nevertheless overcame all of that public backlash and seamlessly implemented these lockdown policies. So as I said, this report really does a pretty pure whitewash of most of the valid critiques about lockdown policies that should be reviewed. After I read this, Michael, I just started thinking if any of us question anything anymore when it comes to the state of Michigan, when it comes to policy from our federal government, you're labeled, you're chastised. It's like you're not allowed to ask questions anymore. In my mind, that's a key element of functioning democracy. I mean, that's a key component of what the media provides. You know, obviously, the Mackinac Center is a policy research organization. That's one of the things that we do. We critique government policy and advise policymakers on how to make it better, how to improve it. 
So I think we need to have those conversations. And now that we're, you know, a year or more kind of removed from the thick of the COVID-19 pandemic, I think this is the time when we should be having those conversations because COVID-19 is not the last pandemic. There will be more and we need to be better prepared for those to have a better response. And, you know, based on this report, based on what the state has done so far reviewing its response, I'm afraid that they will just do the same sort of haphazard fly by the seat of your pants sort of approach that they did with COVID-19. We're talking with Michael Van Beek, who's the director of research for the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this story, especially improvements that how COVID could have been handled in our state. I'm Tony Connolly. This is Michigan Business Network, and this is Media Business. for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. Thanks so much for hanging with us. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with Michael Van Beek. And Michael, you write that few of the suggestions for improvement identified in the report are helpful, and at least one of them was just plain false. Yeah, so the report does include some suggestions for improvement, but one of those, and in my mind, the most significant one is one that is based on something that is not true. And so this report claims, several different state departments claim that the pandemic plans that the state had prepared before COVID-19 were inadequate to respond to the unique and severe threat that COVID-19 presented. And that's not true. I've read those plans and they're available on the state's websites. And they very intently were designed to deal with the type of pandemic that COVID-19 presented and in even more severe ones. So, you know, as you know, in the U.S., before COVID-19, there were three major pandemics, the 1918 one, 1957 and 1968. And there was almost one in 1976, but it never materialized. But those three were the types of pandemics that the state was preparing to deal with. And COVID-19 fit right in between those three. It was not as severe as 1918. And at the beginning of 2020, it looked like it was going to be more severe by a little bit than the 1957 and 68 pandemics. So those plans were in place. And for yet unexplained reasons, the state basically took those plans and threw them out the window and did all of these lockdown policies and all of these orders on the fly. They made them up. They did it by the seat of their pants. Michael, I'm one who really appreciates sarcasm and humor. You had a line in here that made me want to call you up and go out and have a cocktail or a beer with you. The after action report does offer some recommendations, but most are bureaucratic milk toast. Beautiful line, man. <laughs> Talk about that. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I've read 
through so many state reports and documents and things of that nature that, you know, some of the language that is used is nauseating. But, you know, some of the recommendations for improvements that they make in this report are to do things like, you know, identify and document the purpose, roles, and responsibilities of coalition members, to engage in regularly scheduled meetings, and to continue to utilize a prioritization workflow. This is bureaucratic speak. It's corporate speak. You know, it's this kind of language that they use a lot of words and a lot of big words, but they don't actually mean anything and they don't actually result in any type of meaningful action. So that's the kind of thing that I was talking about with the bureaucratic milk toast. And the two final sentences, or I should say paragraphs, are really interesting too. One might think that if the state's pandemic response really was a smashing success, it would be a key message of the governor's re-election campaign. But for some reason, she never mentions it in these days. Whitmer seems very weary of reminding the public of her administration's actions during the pandemic. And that perhaps speaks louder than the 239 pages of the report. Expand on that, if you will. Yeah. So Governor Whitmer does not talk about her effort during 2020 to defeat this virus or to eradicate COVID-19. She doesn't talk about lockdowns. You know, she told us that she was taking these actions to literally save our lives. And now this report says that it did that and the state did a really remarkable job in that effort. And she doesn't talk about it. She doesn't remind people that, hey, I'm the governor who saved your life in 2020. I'm the governor who, you know, did all those unpopular things that were really necessary so that you could be safe from COVID-19. And I think the, the fact that she doesn't talk about that is meaningful. And it likely means that the public isn't happy with the way that the state handled COVID-19, or at least that's the governor's opinion, that she thinks that the public doesn't want to be reminded of those things. And that bringing them up would be harmful potentially to her re-election campaign. So she talks about other things about roads and education funding and those sorts of things. But she doesn't talk about the time when she, you know, supposedly saved all of our lives. It's a great story. And folks can find that on CapCon at the Michigan Center for Public Policy. We've been talking with Michael Van Beek, who's the director of research. Fascinating story, Michael. I appreciate your time so much, sir. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. I'm Tony Connolly. This has been Media Business, and you've been listening to the Michigan Business Network. We'll see you next time.